Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of realeverything.com. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Welcome back to The Whole View, episode 413. We're going to be talking about gut health, and I just want to give our listeners the preview of the most embarrassing and uncomfortable blooper <laughs> ever. I can't believe you're starting the episode with this. This is great. This is great. I love it. I love it so much. So don't quit this show before you get through the bloopers if you want to hear me be um, incredibly embarrassed. But uh-huh. I say that because we're talking about gut health, digestive health, and there are, you know, things that are associated with that that make me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but I'm actually kind of really curious about this show. Um, I'm just going to like lead in a little bit and then I'll let you talk about your um, relationship. But um, so first of all, in the paleo community, when I started paleo, um, golly, 10 plus years ago, um, nuts were one of those uh, foods that were used all the time and like baked goods and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then um, it was like the paleo police got a hold of nuts and made them be really demonized. Like, you know, cause they're so calorically dense and yeah. you know, for a number of reasons. Um, oh, you're saying a paleo cookie doesn't count as paleo reason. Yes. Yes. You, you know what I mean? Just, just you name it. We could throw something at it and say, create, um, dietary dogma. <laughs> We're going to do it. Right. Like, so, um, I know for me, um, when I was going through the autoimmune protocol, I did feel better when I wasn't eating like tons of nuts because for the same reason that you said, like they're calorically dense and a mm-hmm. little goes a long way and blah, blah, blah. But they are so good in terms of, you know, we've talked before on Brazil nuts being a really good source of selenium, for example, and different kinds of things. So this topic of how nuts can be good for us um, from gut health and other benefits, I'm excited to talk about because I feel like um, if I was confused about whether or not nuts were good, then probably other people were as well. Um but all of this to say, it started with um, Georgia Grinder's nut butter arriving to me in the mail. And I knew that they were from you because you found Georgia Grinder's at your local farmer's market years ago. And I was like, huh, Sarah, what's up with these nuts? <laughs> I don't know if you remember the very first time that I came to visit you which I believe was for the Beyond Bacon launch party, I think. Um, that What I brought you as a, a hostess present was a jar of, and this was back when, like, before Georgia Grinders changed their name to Georgia Grinders, they only made almond butter. That was their, like, original OG nut brother. 
Um, they, and it was like the best thing in the world. And that was what I brought you as a hostess gift was this like super schmancy. You can only get it at my local farmer's market. Um, I would buy it every week from Jamie and Harry, the owners and, um, and they would, oh, they always had samples out and they would let my daughter literally like eat like half a jar of almond butter while we were chatting. And she just, you know, like the rule was, it's just every, it always has to be a new stick, right? So she get a new little, those tiny little wooden scoop sticks. And then she would like load it with nut butter and just sit there and like, just eat ridiculous amounts of nut butter every Saturday morning at the market. But I don't know if you know that, but I, I have had like, this company has been um, a staple in my home since I found them. I want to say it was one of the first two or three times I ever went to the farmer's market. Um, it was one of my earliest discoveries back. I mean, like three different locations ago of my farmer's market. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's so like, I am so happy that they are sponsoring this episode because it is so exciting to me to have like watched this like really good people, super passionate about nut butters, local company, like expand their product line and they do more than just, that's why they had to change their name because they wanted to do more than just almonds. And then also like they're launching nationwide in Kroger this month. Like how amazing is that? Like to me, it's just so, it's so much fun. First of all, the like best nut butter in the world. Like you just cannot get better than Georgia Grinders nut butters. And I, that's why it's like the only nut butter I've bought for like seven years or something since I first discovered them at my farmer's market. But just uh, for me, like I just have this, this like really like deep personal connection with Georgia Grinders from knowing them for so long and having these conversations um, and just, it's, it's, I'm just so proud of what they've done with their passion for, you know, really high quality nut butters. Nut butters done right, I think is probably not a thing that they would actually say, but I'm going to say it for them. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's really special. There are a few brands that you and I have this connection to that we, you know, discovered early on years and years ago and met the owners and know how much intention is put into the product. And I think that means a lot. We love supporting small local businesses and then to see one flourish so that you listeners can now go to your local Kroger and purchase it. Or you can go to georgiagrinders.com slash the whole view and use the code the whole view for 25% off. So if you remember because Sarah has talked about them on the podcast previously. If you remember her talking about them before, or you're just um, excited to try them now, you can do that either. Um, Supporting them in Kroger would obviously be the best way, because then they get sales and Kroger will keep them. Um, But maybe you don't have one local to you and you want to shop online. Again, that's georgiagrinders.com slash the whole view and you can use the code the whole view for 25% off. I would recommend checking out their pecan and Mm -hmm. cashew and hazelnut Mm -hmm. butters. I love those kinds of butters either to bake with them. Like cashew butter is so incredible. Cashew butter is the best baking nut butter. Um, 100%. the pecan and hazelnut butters are amazing on apple slices. So 
Check them out. You know what my favorite way to eat the pecan butter is? Mm, no, tell me. It's on. It's just on a spoon. <laughs> it's just straight out of the jar. It's just. It is. Uh, that is my. Um, oh, I'm not going to make it to dinner. I really need to eat something. I'll just grab a spoon of pecan butter or pecan butter. Wait, I say pecan butter. Yeah, yeah. But still, it's the same butter. It's, <laughs> I'm like, uh, are you saying it as a Canadian or are you saying it as a Georgian? Because it's two different yes. things. Um, yes, I am. Because in both places we say pecan. Interesting. All right. Well, that said, if you, like me, listeners, are like, wait, nuts? Are they good for me? Yes. I am excited for Sarah to jump into it. I'm here. I'm here for the show. I feel like (laughs) it was a question I asked and you didn't even need to hear it. You just like intuited it from my brain. Um, I actually have found digging into the research on the health benefits of nuts really, really interesting because of exactly what you said, Stacey, at the top of the show, which is in our community, we have done this like eat all the nuts and then no, 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 no nuts. And then eat like we seem to like be a simple harmonic oscillator going back and forth between the two extremes of, you know, go through a five pound bag of almonds from Costco every week versus no like nuts are you know, again, they sort of get demonized as being calorie dense. And when you dig into the research, there's a lot of like really important, um, you know, health um, sort of uh, risk reduction signals that sort of pop up over and over and over again. So there's been so many studies looking at nuts and actually really to me, very interesting is studies that separate out tree nuts from peanut consumption. So in America right now, Peanuts account for something like two thirds of the of the total nut consumption, but peanuts are actually a legume, and peanuts have some challenges. Uh, they're one of the most heavily uh, p- pesticide sprayed crops, um, and they're also one of the most uh, susceptible to mold um, crops. So, a low quality peanut butter can be packed with mycotoxins and pesticide residues, and there's um, some interesting effects of that. So when you do these big, huge epidemiological studies, you typically don't have a way of separating out the quality of the food that somebody is consuming. So you just go like, are you eating this food? Yes or no. It's pretty much the the only way that we can sort of get at um, diet factors. And so one of the things that we don't really understand with peanut butter is um, whether or not some of the problems associated with peanut butter is related to the peanuts themselves or related to the the typical quality, right? Uh, it's very common for peanut butter to have high fructose corn syrup as a sweetener. Uh, it's very common for some of the actual peanut oil to be removed and to be replaced with hydrogenated oils. Um, and so, and even a fully natural peanut butter is not um, uh, from, you know, a big company is not necessarily going to be automatically uh, mycotoxin-free and pesticide-free. And so looking at these studies that really start separating out tree nuts, you start to see a benefit over and over and over again. And so tree nut consumption uh, has been associated with reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, neurodegenerative disease, kidney disease, diabetes, uh, infections just through immune support, and mortality from respiratory disease, which seems awfully relevant right now. 
And the magnitude of effect is huge. It's like 20 to 70% risk reduction, sort of like in that range, depending on the study, um, right? So we always have to keep in mind that putting exact numbers on these things can be really hard until there's a huge body of scientific literature and you can do these meta-analyses. And even then, it's usually like given a range because it depends on exactly, right, how much you're consuming of what (laughs) nut uh, prepared in what way, all of those little details will have an effect on that exact number. But that before, Mm -hmm. because I'm like, you're going to move on and you talk quick. So I just, I'm coming back to this 20 to 70% risk reduction of Mm -hmm. cardiovascular cancer, neurodegenerative kidney diabetes and Mm -hmm. respiratory disease. Like what? So I'm assuming you're going to tell me why. Um, Yeah. So what's really fascinating is that nuts are, they're a pretty unique food. So when you think of uh, plant-based foods that are high fat, we've pretty much got nuts, olives, (laughs) nuts and seeds, olives, and avocados, right? That's that's it. You said Um, the Canadian way. (laughs) I'm trying for you. I'm trying. Uh, So so um, what's really interesting is that nuts then, even if you kind of look at these like high fat plant foods, um, nuts are really different because they are so high in minerals. Um, they're really high in a bunch of different antioxidant phytochemicals, but particularly polyphenols and phytosterols. Phytosterols are really fascinating because Um, they have a very similar structure to cholesterol. And what they basically end up doing is swapping out for cholesterol, um, which helps to lower our cholesterol. So it's a a really interesting phytochemical to be able to get from from foods. They're one of our best food sources of vitamin E, uh, which is a really important antioxidant vitamin. Um, And they're really great sources of B vitamins. And then within, right, like that's our general broad strokes. And then different nuts have different benefits. And then the other thing that we're going to get into is nuts have some really unique fiber types that are really beneficial for the gut microbiome. And it's, but it's not just the fiber in nuts, the fats in nuts tend to be really good for the gut microbiome, um, and the phytochemicals. So the gut microbiome is very responsive to especially polyphenols. And so it's this like trifecta of, really important things for the gut microbiome that nuts have that when you start digging into like how does eating uh, an ounce or an ounce half of walnuts every day impact the gut microbiome and start looking at different strains, you can see that the additive effect of all of these different benefits. There's another thing that nuts have actually that's really important, and that is the really high in the amino acid L-arginine. And L-arginine is one of the amino acids that's considered an essential amino acid for our gut bacteria. So our gut bacteria have like essential amino acids the same way we do, but it's not the same list. And it's, so it's amino acids that they can't produce, but they still need to make proteins. And um, the two amino acids that are so essential that they can actually impact gut microbiome composition when we consume more or less is um, L-glutamine, which is really fascinating because that's the amino acid that we're consuming bone broth for, um, and L-arginine. And these two amino acids, um, like if you actually just take 
uh, either an animal model looking at the gut microbiome or take people and you supplement with L-arginine or L-glutamine, you see increases in diversity in the gut microbiome. And it's because they're so important. So nuts just, they're that kind of this like awesome mix of things that are really important for the gut microbiome. And that may be the mediator of why nuts have all of these benefits to chronic illness because they we've got a ton of studies showing that they are anti-inflammatory. They decrease markers of inflammation. They decrease inflammatory cytokines. They um, reduce oxidative stress. Like there's um, studies showing that they improve vascular health. Um, there's studies showing that they obviously, you know, there's a huge body of scientific literature showing that they can help reduce or lower cholesterol. Um, but the the heart healthy aspect of it is probably in part mediated by reductions in cholesterol that's largely attributable to the fats and the phytosterols, the anti-inflammatory effects, which is the combination of all of these different beneficial antioxidants, um, vitamins, minerals, and then also the microbiome effect. So it's probably all of these things sort of adding together. And here's, I think, something that is is really important to talk about off the bat because nuts have been uh, demonized as this really calorically dense food, right? So like a, a palm full of nuts about a serving, depending on the nut you're choosing, is two to 300 calories. And so there's not many things, foods, that you would like hold in the palm of your hand and it's that many calories, at least not uh, like whole foods. And um, and what's really interesting about that is there's been a variety of research that shows that even though they're really energy dense foods, um, they're calorically dense, that they actually don't contribute to weight gain and may actually protect against obesity and diabetes. And that is probably mediated through gut microbiome benefits because um, gut microbiome uh, or sort of gut dysbiosis is a very strong driver of weight gain and diabetes through its impact on the immune system, its impact on hormones, its impact on neurotransmitters, its impact on um, digestion, and on a lot of hormones that are feeding into metabolism, um, how we store or access fat, um, insulin sensitivity, all of those things are you know, basically controlled by our gut microbiome. So if we have these inflammatory sort of obesity gut microbiomes, just just changing a gut microbiome to that structure and that those types of strains of bacteria, um, they've done these studies in mice where they don't change the diet and they just do like a fecal microbiota transplant and put in an obesity, right? So take a an obese's mouse is poop and uh, transplant it into a healthy lean mouse who's on a healthy diet, don't change anything about the diet and that mouse will gain weight. And it's because of all of these different ways that our gut microbiomes are basically controlling our biology. They're, they're more, they're more influential on our biology than like our brains, basically. Like they're, it's really, they're, everything about our health is intertwined with our gut microbiomes. And you have an ebook on that if people want to check it out just so I don't so you don't forget because you often forget to plug that stuff I do I always forget <laughs> um it's um, called the gut health guidebook and you can just like if you just go to my website thepillmom.com it's really easy to find 
I have a question, and I know you're going to talk about individual nuts, but one of the things that you said earlier was that um, the nuts have been shown to improve cholesterol. And then Mm -hmm. another thing that you said that I'm aware of is that um, some nuts have better omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acid profiles, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, for example, uh, I try to reach for... um, Oh, goodness. Macadamia nuts. I was like, why can't Mm -hmm. I think of that nut? Because at one point, you know, I read omega, uh, those are higher in omega threes, although I don't really do that anymore. That was one of those things that I had in my head from diet dogma days that like, if I was going to eat nuts, that's the one to eat. But it sounds like the information on the change in cholesterol, which obviously would be affected if it was just a straight omega six, omega three profile and not all the other things that you were talking about. Um, Prebiotic fiber, for example, we've talked about a lot on the show as being important. Um, Gut microbiome, like all these other things you're talking about. So I guess what I'm saying is I just want to (laughs) highlight what I think I heard you say, which is that the improvements to cholesterol are not a one-to-one mapping for which nuts are only if it's higher in omega-3 or Correct. Yeah. So... uh, um, so walnuts are the highest in omega threes. Um, they have something like a one to three ratio of omega threes to omega sixes. Um, but that omega three is almost entirely alpha linolenic acid, which is, uh, it's considered the like essential omega three because it's the shortest chain, but our body has to really convert that into DHA or EPA, which are the long chain omega threes that we get from seafood. Um, we do have some processes that use ALA. So it's, it's not that it's like a completely useless fat. Um, but in order, if, if omega threes was the pure mechanism, no nut, even the higher omega three ones would really, um, would really be a shining star because it's not the, um, it's not the actual, it's the shorter chain omega three than the ones that are actually really important for immune function, brain function, cardiovascular, lung, right? So what's really interesting is what, um, and this is a complete tangent looking at why omega-3s to omega-6s have such a pervasive impact on health. And it's because those fatty acids are stored in the cell membrane. And then the cell, when uh, when it needs it, will internalize it and then use it as the like, like raw material for a chemical reaction that produces these um, communication molecules. Um, they're called paracrine and autocrine molecules that um, help cells communicate with each other. And when you use an omega-3 for that chemical reaction, you tend to produce anti-inflammatory signals. And when you use an omega-6 for that reaction, you tend to produce pro-inflammatory signals. Um, And the other part of that is because those fats have different structures, when they're in the cell membrane, they actually change the fluid dynamics of the cell membrane. And for a lot of cells, having a more flexible membrane makes it a healthier cell. And that's what omega-3s do in the membrane. So that's why you kind of want, you need both. 
um, because you do sometimes need to turn on inflammation. You, you don't want to just be able to turn it off. You want to be able to turn it on too. Um, and you need both in like roughly equal, somewhere between um, one to one and one to four is sort of considered optimal uh, omega-3s to omega-6s. So even having four times more omega-6s than omega-3s within cell membranes is probably, you know, in that range of awesome and fine. Um, so as an aside, that's why omega-3s are so beneficial for cardiovascular health. It's literally impacting, uh, how our cells communicate inflammation and then also the actual health of the individual cells. And that elasticity is really, really important for vascular cells, um, endothelial cells that form all of the vascular walls in our um, bodies. And so that is probably not the mechanism through which nuts are reducing cardiovascular disease because it's not the right kind of omega-3s. They do have, most nuts are actually pretty high in monounsaturated fats. So monounsaturated fats are like the oleic acid in uh, olive oil, for example, that um, is really good for the gut microbiome and also is like really good for cellular health. It's not metabolized in the same way to form these inflammatory signals. Um, and that's, you know, we've got hundreds of studies showing that high olive oil consumption reduces risk of cardiovascular disease. So that might be something that's happening with nuts and seeds because they do tend to have um, a huge amount of monounsaturated fats. And actually macadamia nuts are almost, their fat is almost entirely monounsaturated, um, which is probably why they've been viewed as one of the better choices traditionally is because their fats are more similar to olive or avocado than to other nuts and seeds. Um, but that's, it's just not as simple as nuts have high fat and therefore they're good or bad depending on what kind of fat they have because their fiber is so important. Their polyphenol content is so important. Um, they're great sources of, um, vitamins and minerals. One of the things that I find when I teach the autoimmune protocol lecture series is that, um, vitamin E is one of the more common vitamins for people to fall short on when they're tracking their micronutrients. Um, and that's in part, right, nuts and seeds are initially emitted on the autoimmune protocol. Then they're a really early reintroduction because of all of the health benefits that we're going to talk about in this show. They're emitted purely because of the higher, um, much higher likelihood of uh, food intolerance to, to nuts and seeds. Um, and that's why they make it as an early reintroduction because the, the reason for omitting them is not related to a compound, right? So like if you look at tomatoes, tomatoes have inflammatory compounds in it and then lots of cool nutrition. And when you're deciding whether or not a food is AIP, and you have, ooh, those things are inflammatory, but those things are good, you cut it out initially and then you add it later. Nuts and seeds don't follow that same kind of what's good in it and what's bad in it. It really has to do with the very, very high like likelihood of an intolerance in people with autoimmune disease compared to the average person. And so it's um, on the autoimmune protocol. As, as a completely different tangent, um, there's sort of two ways to approach nuts and seeds. One is to do a food um, allergy and food sensitivity panel and like find out what you're sensitive to and just cut out those. Or 
to eliminate all nuts and seeds initially and then methodically reintroduce them to test your tolerance and see if you have reactions to them. Um, and it's it's basically just respecting that um, they are a um, more allergenic food um, compared to um, the uh, foods that are that maintain their status on the AIP. I, as I mentioned, I found that when I brought back in nuts um, from having done the full AIP elimination, I did find that my body responds like most things, although it was hard to feel at the time, um, that the amount that I eat, the frequency that I eat, and the type that I eat also matter. And I think Mm -hmm. that that also plays into some of what you were talking about and that not everything that I was eating at that time when I was reintroducing was like organic, clean, all of that kind of stuff. And I do find now that my body does respond to um, foods that are more likely to be rancid or more likely to have mold. Like those, those things I have found over time. So one of the things to consider with nuts is especially if you're buying high quality is to protect them from oxidative damage. You don't want to spend all this money on high quality nuts and then um have them and then let them sit in your sit in your pantry for three years yes um or the opposite try to be improving your health by adding these in but then buying nuts that are lower in quality as you mentioned which could be um not the good quality which is why we have georgia grinders as a sponsor to highlight how important it is to choose high quality. So just kind of putting that out there as someone who has gone through that process of removing and then adding. Um, And honestly, it's one of those foods that I kind of um, test over time. Like I'm sure all of us who've done food eliminations, we kind of bring things back and test where we are with it later. Um, And through that, I have found that quality really does matter. Shocking. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about some of the nuts that have been best studied in terms of their impact on the gut microbiome. So I think um, there is not a single nut out there that hasn't been included in some of these like big epidemiological studies where you're looking at like, how much nuts do you eat? What kinds of nuts? And then, you know, follow these people for 10 years and see how many develop cardiovascular disease, right? Like those types of studies where you're just looking for the signal. Um, you know, that really shows that all nuts and even seeds, um, really are beneficial. Um, but I am, uh, a gut microbiome nerd now I'm gonna, I'm gonna own that title. And so for me, what's really interesting is to look at mechanisms, right? So like, it's great to see that if you consume an ounce of nuts per day, um, that, that lowers risk of pretty much every chronic illness that I'm personally concerned about. And, um, and that's like really wonderful to see those like really like high magnitude effects. But the answer then of course is like, well, why? And, you know, while nuts and seeds have really important nutrients that we know help regulate immune function, um, and are like really just important resources for our bodies to use for all of the chemical reactions that every cell uh, performs in every instant, the impact on the gut microbiome, I think, is one of the most important things to understand because it really highlights that it's this 
accumulation of gut microbiome supporting compounds within nuts that are responsible for these huge effects on disease risk. And it's because they really are like this, um, I can't use the term perfect storm because that implies bad. What's a good perfect storm? A storm uh, of good? I, okay. I can't think of sure. a phrase off the top of my head, but I'll work on it. Okay. Our we'll listeners are shouting it to us right now. Right. There's a, there's a, there's definitely a phrase that is like perfect storm, but when you're talking about all of the good things coming, serendipitous something, something, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's, that's what nuts are for the gut microbiome because they just, they contain all of these different compounds. Um, there's even some evidence that the protein in nuts may be beneficial for the gut microbiome, although that definitely needs more studies to really hammer out. So the, the, best three studied, the best studied three nuts, not the best three nuts, the best studied three nuts. So these just happen to be the ones that have more studies that have been studied in humans um, and studied in animal models that are really um, like good models for us understanding the details of the impact on the gut microbiome. Um, the, the three best studied nuts are walnuts, almonds, and pistachios. So we'll go into those, those studies in detail. That doesn't mean they're the three best. It just means researchers have been more interested in these. Um, and so walnuts out of all of those has really been shown, um, to be like the, the crowned king of nuts. Um, there's been not just the most studies, but some of the biggest effects and these have been studied in both animal models and in humans. Um, there was a recent randomized controlled human trial. They took almost 200 healthy adult volunteers. And then for eight weeks, they either had a what was called a walnut-enriched diet. They had an ounce and a half of walnuts per day or a nut-free diet. And it was a crossover design. So they, they did one and then the other. And then some people did it in the reverse order. And what they showed was that um, the walnuts were really important for supporting the growth of some very, very important probiotic species, especially uh, the Ruminococcaceae family, um, which has a whole pile of really important, well-known probiotics under it, and Bifidobacterium, which we talk about on the show all the time. And then also they saw a decrease in some really well understood problematic species. I don't want to necessarily go full on pathogen. We have these, um, what are sort of called opportunistic bacteria in our gut, which are species that in low, they're always there in low levels and they're not a problem in low levels. Um, but when things get out of whack, they're the species that like explode in their growth and then cause problems. And so that includes things like clostridium, um, there's some beneficial clostridium, uh, clostridium <laughs> cluster 14A, um, which includes some of the uh, genus that are definitely associated with problematic, um, like dysbiosis. Um, those decreased in the walnut diet. Um, so they were also able to show not only did they have this improvement in gut microbiome composition, but they had this improvement in what's called the gut metabolome, which is measuring the metabolic byproducts that the gut bacteria are producing. And in particular, the walnut-enriched diet increased um, the butyrate production, which is the short-chain fatty acid that probably has 
the most important like benefits to human health. Like we definitely want lots of butyrate producers in our guts. And that was what walnuts did, which is pretty cool. Um, there was uh, another study that looked at walnuts um, and it was basically like, again, it was an ounce and a half of walnuts versus no walnuts. Um, and this one showed an increase in rosburia, which are super important. Um, and, uh, fecilobacterium, which, uh, there's a particular, um, fecilobacterium species called fecilobacterium protsnitsi, which is not a word that I like saying, cause it's just way too many, too many, uh, syllables. Um, but that is a particular species that is absolutely critical. Like a, it's a keystone species in the gut. Um, super, super important. Um, and, uh, and showed, like huge increases in these. And then what was cool about this one was they also, they looked at different things in the metabolism. So our, uh, when we digest, uh, one of the things that w we use to digest is uh, bile acids, right? So that's, these are the things in bile that help to uh, break fat into smaller little uh, fat, bubbles um, that make it easier for our lipase enzymes to start breaking down the fat. And we reabsorb a lot of our bile acids and we use them. We absorb, typically reabsorb about 90%. But one of the things that happens is our gut bacteria metabolize our bile acids. And if you have healthy gut bacteria, the metabolic byproducts tend to be good ones. And if you have bad bag bacteria, the metabolic byproducts of our bile acids tend to be hugely pro-inflammatory, like cancer-causing, like, like super bad compounds. And so how our gut bacteria is um, transforming our bile acids before they're reabsorbed into our body is a major uh, mechanism through which our gut bacteria are impacting our health. And so what they found was this in this walnut-enriched diet – that there was a reduction in the like bad bile acid metabolites by 25 to 45%, depending on which one you were looking at. And that that coincided with a reduction in LDL cholesterol, which is the, the bad low density um, cholesterol. So um, that all is like digging into the mechanisms of how walnuts are improving, not just the composition of the microbiome, but the, how the microbiome is metabolizing. And, um, and it really explains like why walnuts have been so fantastic. It's also been studied in rats, basically showing very similar things. Um, in rats, they sh showed also increases in lactobacillus along with ruminococcusae and roseburia, these other, um, uh, genera and families of, of probiotic bacteria that we know are so great. So wal wal walnuts are like, they kind of have this throne. I want to talk about almonds and it's because I think almonds have sort of been traditionally viewed because they're one of the highest omega-6 nuts. Um, they've traditionally been viewed as like the worst nut to consume. Like there's, um, there's, uh, yeah, they've just basically been, been demonized as the, the worst nut. But when you look at the gut microbiome, they're fantastic. Um, and it seems to be for 
for almonds especially, it seems to be mostly attributable to their fiber. So there's been um, a bunch, again, of sort of different studies that have looked at, um, they've compared defatted almonds, so when you take out the fat. Um, that, by the way, um, doesn't actually seem to be a big factor in how almonds are impacting the gut microbiome. Um, they've tried them like skinned versus not skinned. So definitely the skin has some unique fibers in it. So, uh, you know, when it makes sense culinarily to have not blanched almonds, that's definitely better. But studies have shown that almonds, and it's, it's especially the fiber in almonds, they're quite high in fiber, um, are improving levels of things like bifidobacteria that are super important. Um, but they're also just supporting diversity in general. So I know I've said approximately 6 million times on the show that one of the most important hallmarks of a healthy gut microbiome is diversity. And it's basically, it's basically the more different species you have, generally the more opportunities for cooperation. So we have, uh, for example, um, our bacteria form a lot of vitamins. Um, those are multi-step chemical reactions. So like B12 is like 30 different chemical reactions to form B12. And there's only a handful of bacteria species that have the genes for all 30 steps of that chemical reaction. Most of the B12 that our gut bacteria produce in our gut is produced cooperatively. So this species does this reaction, this species does the next two, this species does the next three, this species does the next step, right? So they're working together to form B12. And that's just an example of this type of um, uh, sort of cooperation that we need in our guts. And so the more different species we have, the more likely we are to have all of the species need for needed for some kind of cooperative chemical reaction. And you tend to have a better opportunity to keep those opportunistic ones in check when um, when you have more diversity. And it's because bacteria, for example, make um, antibacterial peptides that selectively inhibit the growth of pathogens. Um, and you want to have all of the right bacteria to suppress all of the wrong ones. And so diversity ends up being uh, just a really important hallmark of a healthy ecosystem, I mean, in general, um, but the gut microbiome especially. And so this, there was a study done. Um, I love these kinds of studies because they did it in college freshmen. And you just sort of like picture all of these freshmen who are like, wait, free food? Like, yep, hook me up. And so they were given um, either two ounces of almonds per day, or I, I believe they're like, alternative was graham crackers. So it was like almonds versus it was like calorie matched and carbohydrate matched. And what they showed was that the um, students who consumed almonds for eight weeks had a really big increase in diversity. And that is just a really neat thing to see. They also saw, you know, reductions in uh, pathogens Um it's just really cool to sort of see that um, something as simple as grabbing a palm pool of nuts a day can have such a big impact on the gut microbiome over eight weeks. That's not a very long period of time. Um, there have been other studies showing even when they match the fiber. So, um, you know, doing almonds 
or just almond fiber or just fiber control that um, almonds, again, are improving levels of probiotics like bifidobacterium and lactobacillus and suppressing things like bad clostridium. Um, and uh, and it's cool because, again, these studies are sort of like showing that um, even though almonds have, uh, again, sort of higher omega-6, they're not as high in polyphenols as some other nuts, um, but they really have this huge amount of beneficial bacteria that they are improving gut microbiome composition and also um, improving the production of short-chain fatty acids so we can also see this benefit to the metabolome. Um, so nuts, uh, almonds in particular, um, have been very well proven to benefit the gut microbiome um, despite sort of getting bad-mouthed as being the like weakest nut. I am fascinated by this idea of fiber being the driver, and that doesn't surprise me. I heard someone the other day refer to thinking of your macros as um, protein, fat, and fiber, instead of like calling it carbohydrate, because we have so many like processed type foods that are carbohydrates, mm -hmm. but like in that really like made so much sense to me and go is consistent with like our conversation on vegetables and our conversation yeah. on being a nutrivore and this idea of um seeing in studies that it's not necessarily the fats with nuts and we led with nuts are one of the things that are natural fats but that to think of it as being a source of fiber that can be a game changer for your health as well um makes so um, much sense i think me. Thank you for the segue, because I think um, one of the things that's really important to emphasize with fiber is that, A, super important. I actually really like the idea of counting um, counting protein and fat and fiber, provided that it's not like fiber supplements, that we're not trying to like have the system of getting enough fiber. Good point. Good point. Right. Uh, while minimizing carbohydrates. One of the ways that I calculate carbohydrate targets is like how many carbohydrate grams would you normally consume if you're targeting say 30 to 40 grams of fiber per day which is probably still not enough like probably we should be getting closer to 50 that's really really hard to do and that automatically puts us typically in like the two to three hundred grams of total carbohydrate range if we're getting our fiber from whole food sources but the fiber as a target is um, certainly something that like when I'm tracking my food intake, I have micro targets, a protein target and a fiber target. Right. And it's, it's because fiber is so important, but it's not just volume. So one of the things we know about fiber is it's, there's thousands of different molecules that, that are fiber. So basically what fiber is, it's a carbohydrate that is not compatible with our digestive enzymes. So our digestive enzymes can't break those carbohydrates apart, but our gut bacteria can. That is the definition of fiber is like, it's a carbohydrate we can't digest. And they can have really complex structures. They can have branches and cross links and they can be long strings, short strings. They can be made of different types of carbohydrates. And there's lots of different ways that fiber is not compatible with our digestive enzymes. 
And one of the things that we know is that a very small change in the chemical structure of a fiber molecule can change which bacterial species is going to be best supported by that as a, as a food source. And so it's not just about total fiber, it's about diversity of fiber. And it's one of the reasons why I've started really trying to promote thinking of different families of vegetables and family of fruit as their own individual food groups is because they tend to have really different fiber structures and nuts are the same, right? So nuts, again, like mushrooms would be its own food group, like cruciferous vegetables would be its own food group, like root vegetables would be its own food group, apple family vegetable or fruit or berries would be their own food groups. Nuts and seeds kind of get their own food group because, again, their fiber is quite different than the type of fiber we would be finding in vegetables. It's uniquely beneficial. And because of that, um, you know, what we really want to be aiming for is not just a fiber target, but to get that fiber from as diverse sources as possible. So hitting all of these different families of plant foods as their own food group as often as we can. So... Um, you know, if it can't be daily, at least on a like three day rotation, um, because our gut bacteria can respond that quickly to a change in diet. Um, that is what makes the most sense from a gut health perspective. Um, and then even within each family, like not always choosing walnuts or almonds, but mixing it up as often as possible. Um, and it's, even though, you know, I'm going to talk about pistachios and how they're also amazing for the gut microbiome, um, but really what the science shows us is it's always best to, to mix it up and to choose a different one every time. Um, you know, so basically like get the pecan and hazelnut and almond and cashew butter from Georgia grinders and just grab a different spoonful every day is, is basically my, my major take home message. Uh, how could you go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love today's show. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like in a super good mood. Um, maybe I'm <laughs> supposed to feel that way good. every time. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I do. This is this has been really um, helpful and eye opening, and I'm sure our listeners will feel the same way. I think there's such um, controversy around things that I love it when we look at the science and we drive our decisions off of that versus the dogma and, you know all the different information that's around. And I think looking at this from the perspective of just beyond um, high calories or omega-3, omega-6 makes so much sense. So I appreciate you. I mean, I appreciate you always, but I appreciate <laughs> you having done this scientific research for us all. Well, there's there's two more things that I want to cover with the nuts. Um, one is pistachios, because pistachios are... Uh, they're a very different family of, of nuts. They're in the same family as cashews, which actually they're in the poison ivy family. So sometimes when people are really allergic to poison ivy, they can't eat cashews, pistachios, or mangoes. Um, but they, so because of that, they have a, a fairly different fat profile. They're much higher in monounsaturated fats than walnuts or almonds. Um, pistachios are one of my favorites. So I also have a personal interest in how great they are. Um, but you know, yes, they definitely have been shown in studies to improve um, uh, the gut microbiome composition, to improve diversity. But one of the, like, yes, like, yes, we'll just skip over that. Just know it's all there. 
one of the things that's really interesting to me about um, pistachios, again, sort of looking at the metabolome, right? Looking at the metabolic byproducts, pistachios have been shown to reduce the levels of trimethylamine and oxide, TMAO, which is the metabolic byproduct of um, basically like carnitine um, uh, metabolism that is the link between red meat and cancer and cardiovascular disease. So it it's gut microbiome dependent, that link. We've talked about this on the show before. So if you eat a lot of red meat and you don't eat very many vegetables, you'll have a gut microbiome that produces more actually TMA, which then goes into your blood and then your liver oxidizes it into TMAO and increased TMAO is linked to cancer and cardiovascular disease. Although slight tangent, there is some debate whether or not it's a marker of a a microbiome that is conducive to cancer and cardiovascular disease versus a causative agent. But either way, with uh, pistachio consumption, and in this study they had uh, two ounces per day uh, over four months, they showed this reduction in TMAO. So whether it's a marker or a causative agent, that's still it's still good news, right? Because you're reducing the thing that is associated with the badness. And uh, that to me is really fascinating because we don't have uh, a lot of studies in like non-vegetables showing reduction in TMAO. So I think that's really cool. That is really cool. And I don't think we knew that at the time that we did the show about red meat and cancer. So here we are dropping new knowledge bombs and information for you and admitting that we are learning as we go. (laughs) (laughs) Almost like um, science, Uh, which, I mean, that is the science is about learning as you go, right? Um, So are you ready for some fun facts about other nuts? Of course I am. (laughs) (laughs) Hit me with your, what did you call yourself? A self-proclaimed nerd? Yes, hit yeah. me with your nerdiness. <laughs> um, I I own that. I I own nerd. It's fine. Um, so again, I I wanted to sort of emphasize that even though walnuts and almonds and pistachios have been the best studied in terms of the gut microbiome, from how we understand how nuts and seeds are impacting the gut microbiome, the expectation is that every single nut and seed will be beneficial and probably uniquely beneficial, and so that is an argument for variety. Um, and there's actually, when you start looking at some of like the cool things that we know are responsible for these gut microbiome effects, you start to see other nuts and seeds like stand out as uh, being very probable gut microbiome superfoods, even if we're still lacking the, the clinical trials to prove it. So for example, hazelnuts and pecans are the highest nuts in proanthocyanidin, which is a very, very important and awesome class of polyphenols. Um, they are like top superstars for having this like wonderful antioxidant. Um, walnuts and pecans, again, or pecans, however we pronounce it, um, are also really high in a phytochemical phytochemical called agallic acid, um, and they're the highest in total phenolic compounds in general. Macadamias, which we talked about already, and cashews are the highest in monounsaturated fats. Um, and monounsaturated fats, uh, like aside, also are really good for the gut microbiome. And 
Brazil nuts, I actually like, I knew they were super high in selenium, but I looked up how much selenium they actually have. Um, you only need to eat like two thirds of a Brazil nut to meet your um, daily um, value of selenium. And that's the kind of thing that also your body doesn't need daily, right? So let's say you had a couple a week, would that be sufficient for like storing that? <clears throat> I don't know what the half-life of, um, of selenium is in the body. You're putting me on the spot and, and hitting the boundaries Sometimes of my, of my, knowledge. Uh, every once in a while, it's, uh, it's good. I feel that it's very, very important to, uh, admit when I don't know something, um, that is something that was drilled <laughs> into me as a, as a PhD student. And, um, and so, no, I don't know how often you would want to eat a selenium rich food to keep your levels uh, the levels in your body at an adequate level. Um, but I do know that, um, you know, we actually talked about it on the show last week that selenium, so selenium is really important for thyroid and for immune system. Those are, uh, and for uh, not going crazy. So there's um, like 30 or so proteins in our body that are selenium based. Um, and those are involved again, sort of an immune function, and thyroid function and in as really important antioxidants in the brain. And that is what um, mercury is actually doing. Uh, if we get exposed to mercury, it binds irreversibly with selenium and renders all of those proteins that are based on selenium inactive. And that's why like hatters in the olden days, they would use mercury pro in the processing of felt and they, the mad as a hatter was because they were having more oxidative damage in their brain from uh, all of the mercury exposure. And so one of the ways to protect against mercury exposure in just life is to have enough selenium to help process that mercury so that there's more selenium than, in your body than mercury. Um, how much we actually need, I, I don't like what's an upper limit. I don't know the answer to that question, but an ounce of Brazil nuts has 10 times, uh, the, the, uh, RDI of selenium. So I'm kind of thinking like, I'm with you, Stacey, like an ounce over a week is probably a good target. I definitely eat more Brazil nuts than that though. Yeah. I'm just thinking like nuts aren't something I, and the boys grab for every day. Um, but every couple of days and given how much selenium is in it, I'm thinking like, well, that can't possibly be needed every day. But um, this is where we encourage you subscribers to do a little, I'm going to do a little Google research and maybe the next time we come together, Sarah will have information because I put her on the spot. But that said, um, I think that makes a lot of sense for me as, as well, just logically. So, um, so we're looking at an, an ounce per day. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah. So this is what's really interesting. Um, you know how moderation has become a dirty word in uh, health conscious communities. Um, and it's because the everything in moderation has been um, used as a term to rationalize eating whatever you want. Um, so we sort of like say, well, moderation therefore is a bad word because we use it to rationalize eating, you know, a, a cake. Um but with nuts, that really is like 
the ideal is a moderate amount, so about an ounce per day. And there's studies that look at two ounces, two ounces would be fine on a daily basis. Um, studies show that we're not, at least when we look at things like uh, cardiovascular disease risk or all-cause mortality, once we get above about an ounce a day, we don't seem to be getting additional benefits. So that 20 to 70% reduction in risk of chronic illness that's seen at about an ounce per day and consuming more than that is not necessarily benefiting us. And there is some evidence that consuming huge amounts of nuts, like going through the five pound bag of almonds from Costco every week can actually potentially increase risk of st at least stroke. Um, so there is, uh, there is sort of like, a, there's a reason not to, are you ready for this one? Go nuts on nuts. I was waiting. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I'm so, surprised there haven't been more puns. Um, I wasn't. I, I I really need to write more puns into the show notes just so that I have them available for for when I'm ready. Um, but yeah, so it's a an ounce or two per day is is in that like perfectly healthful range. Um, but this is not a food where you want to like have a diet that is like entirely nut based, um, and that's probably because at some point you max out what the fiber and phytochemicals um, and arginine are doing for the gut microbiome. You max out the benefits of all of those minerals and vitamins um, that they have. And the omega-6 potentially starts to become the dominant signal in terms of how a huge amount of nuts is actually impacting our health. That's probably the mechanism of why we kind of want to stay in that Goldilocks zone when it comes to, to nut consumption. So as much as when we say everything in moderation, we mean that as like some kind of, um, demonized term to like, that's not the thing. We don't want to do that with nuts and seeds. That really is, um, that really is the best. Like we have this wonderful range where we have health benefits um, there's definitely a lot of reason to aim to consume around an ounce per day, um, and then not go absolutely crazy. That doesn't mean that like once in a while, if you make something with nut flour and kind of, if you overdo it, you know, once in a while, that's not going to be a problem. It's the overdoing it on a daily basis that is. So, uh, are great. I Georgia like Grinders is great. I like to think about it from the perspective of how our ancestors would have come upon nuts, right? Like mm -hmm. they're difficult to get out of their shell and they would have been a sustaining energy source that didn't go bad right away versus fruit, for example, or vegetables, for example, when they came upon them don't last a really long time. And so it makes logical sense to me that our bodies would have adapted to small amounts over time being really helpful do you know like I don't know I just find logic in thinking through how our biology developed and then it almost always maps to what our bodies need or how they operate best you know there are some again I I, I wish uh I wish I had anticipated this question so I could have looked it up before we recorded there's um there are some primate primates that consume huge amounts of nuts like they just like hang out in these nut trees and just eat nuts all day but 
you're right. Like that just the energy and time that it takes to get them out of their shell definitely slows them down compared to the, you know, Costco sized five pound banks. Um, I would, I would love to look up and see like how, what's the like actual like weight or servings of nuts that they're actually eating in a day. Um, because that, that to me would be a really interesting, like granted we're, we're a different species, but it would, it would be really interesting to look at how some primates are adapted to really large nut consumption. Um, but I like, that's, that's the, again, the limit of my knowledge right now is that there are some primates who eat lots of nuts. That's all I really have right there. Also probably not consuming other higher energy sources that correct. Yeah. We or other, um, primates would be eating do you know Mm -hmm. like probably there if I had to guess and again this is all just conjecture because I'm throwing stuff at you off the cuff but I would guess that they are not eating a lot of meat for example because there's anyway just guessing at this point so that's never a good thing to make assumptions but um I appreciate the research that you did on the questions that I didn't throw at you (laughs) last minute. And um, I think it's got obviously my brain stirring and I'm sure our listeners as well. If you guys have follow-up questions for Sarah beyond just the ones that I've um, thrown at her, by all means, feel free to submit them to the podcast on our social media or on our um, website through the contact forums. That's the best way for us to keep track of them. Um, And we'll be happy to do a follow-up if you would like on what you want to know more about. Because I feel like I just asked a couple of questions that I want to know more about. (laughs) And you know we always prioritize the shows that um, I'm asking questions on. So um, hitch a ride to my wagon, friends. (laughs) I thank you for listening and being a part of our show. I want to also thank our sponsor this week, Georgia Grinders, for making delicious, healthy... Um, quality nut products. And as a reminder, they make peanut, pecan, almond, cashew, and hazelnut butters that you can find on their website, georgiagrinders.com slash the whole view. Get 25% off with the code, the whole view. Or if you have a Kroger nearby, go shop in store. And if you go to your Kroger and it's not there, tell customer service to bring it in um, so that not just you, but other Shoppers can benefit from high quality nut butters. And by high quality, you know, we mean they are handcrafted in small batches. They are very um, peculiar and particular about how they're sourcing their nuts. Um, So they're only using the highest quality ingredients. There's no GMO ingredients. There's no added sugars or oils. Um, they don't ever add like crazy things like lecithin or stevia. Um, there's no palm oil in their nut butters. I mean, they're, the ingredients would be something like almonds and sea salt. Um, so they are only using top quality ingredients. And again, um, Jamie and Harry are, are good peoples and I love them. And I am so, 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 um, happy and proud and, um, just, I think it's so awesome that they've been able to turn this passion and a like family recipe for almond butter into like amazing top quality nut butters that we can now get in the entire country. Yay. I'm excited too, especially because I 
sincerely do remember this being such a <laughs> small shop way back in the day. So I hope you enjoy it, listeners, and um, we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being part of this awesome community. We know that we would be besties if only you could chime in. Super besties. The best way to stay in touch with us is to engage on our social media, subscribe to our newsletters, and share this podcast with others. Thank you for sharing. We love your reviews in iTunes, Stitcher, or however you listen. What? Did I just call on time? And you answered on the first ring? Not only that, it popped up even though I didn't have Skype open, and it worked to answer the call. Wow. It's going to be a good day. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, everything's coming up Millhouse right now. So, so, so a like early nineties Simpsons reference. Yes. Maybe even late eighties. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really old Simpsons reference that I use all the time because I don't, uh, update my cultural references ever. (laughs) That's actually accurate. Yes. Like, that's not just a joke. That's no, painfully accurate. Yeah. No, I um, have great self-awareness on my lack of um, cultural awareness. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, God. Yeah, probably. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to... I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Right. I have yelled at every family member. That's great because I'm about to share information that I literally got flustered and embarrassed just thinking that I was going to tell you. Um, I might have to poop. We might have to pause. Like, I can feel it brewing. It's not time yet. <laughs> it's not time yet. Okay. So we're going to have just a rant. That's, it's okay. You know, um, you, do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, how could we have like gone seven years and not had this come up yet I don't know but it might come up today (laughs) we've only been podcasting in the morning for like a year yeah that's true yeah because let's face it the morning poops are much more urgent than later in the day poops and now I literally want to die okay (laughs) (laughs) I mean I think see my face right now (laughs) I think uh, you need to give Matt direction on whether or not he's allowed to use that in the bloopers because it is epic. It's fine. I think <laughs> our listeners know we have problems discussing digestive tract. Oh my god, that's so great! I'm laughing just thinking about it being in the bloopers. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.